coming up, electric cars and recharging and kilowatt hours and amps and batteries and recharging and all of that head exploding, bleed from the ears, physics stuff. Let us demystify that so you can make the right choice if you are thinking about making the switch from combustion, which you've always relied on, to battery power. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap, even EVs, for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously, or you can just click the card that is occasionally on days ending in Y, but probably not on a TV or a iOS device. Up there now, dude. Okay, so I got this excellent question from a long-term viewer named Graham McGrath. And let us answer that and hopefully, you know, fill in the blanks for you as well. I was recently given a new EV to drive to work for several days. I drive 90 kilometres each way when I'm on shift, mostly on freeways in a regional environment. It appeared that the EV I was driving did not like this type of driving and used the battery more quickly than was described in the literature for this car. We'll get back to the balance of Big G's question in just a sec, okay? But let me just comment on that for starters, okay? 180 k's per day, there and back in total. That's a fair old amount of driving, but not uncommon in regional Shitsville, okay? So let's think about that. Most EVs have a battery range of roughly double that. So in the 400 kilometer ballpark. And that is therefore a big chunk of the battery's capacity every day and you will need to recharge on a daily basis just so that you're not you know sucking on a dry tank of electrons on the way home from work every day because running out of battery is a much worse proposition than running out of diesel or running out of petrol like the, the options are just more limited right it's flatbed tow truck and sort it out later and that's going to cost you okay so there's that but on this issue of you know, the, the, the literature not meeting up with the claims made about the range and things of that nature, well, I'd suggest that that's exactly like the way the range, the fuel, like the liquid fuel range of cars has rocked for decades now. Like, the claims made about fuel economy to the official fuel economy standard test are absurd. They're absurdly economical in comparison with what is actually possible, right? So I'd suggest that uh, EVs are closer to being on the money than internal combustion in terms of the fuel economy that you can expect. And I'd further suggest that having driven a Kona electric for 12 months or so, I can tell you that the trip computer in that car was like bang on when it came to predicting the remaining range of that car. And it was very good at adapting to different driving conditions as well, because you'd go from the freeway to stop-start traffic and the prediction would change in response to the driving conditions and the change in energy that you needed to do that driving, right? H however, I'd also suggest that whatever driving you need to do, like physics is operational and <laughs> not amenable to negotiation, right? So if you've got roughly two tonnes of car and you need to punt it a particular distance, then 
you are going to have to overcome rolling resistance, aerodynamic drag, gravity, things of that nature, okay? And there's nothing you can do about that. And yeah, stop-start traffic is different than loping along on the freeway, but heavy cars going a particular distance require a particular amount of energy. And there is some variation within that, but essentially we're all stuck in that paradigm and you just have to deal with it because there is not as much energy in a battery as there is in a tank of liquid fuels. And despite the fact that battery to kinetic energy conversion is more efficient than liquid fuel to kinetic energy conversion, you're still gonna get roughly twice or more range out of a liquid fueled vehicle. And you're still gonna pay substantially more for the diminished capacity for performance for the electric car. And therefore you do have to question the appropriateness of that kind of powertrain for a lot of long distance travel in regional Australia because it's not so much economically rational and it's certainly not as logistically practical and easygoing as the liquid fuel alternative. I also had to charge the car between shifts at home on a 15 amp power point, but found the charge rates extremely lengthy and had to resort to a trip to a fast charger for a top up. In fact, several trips as the first two were not working. I now know the meaning of range anxiety and I'm not really sure that an EV for people like myself driving from the suburbs to the regions is a realistic option. If you want to crack the kooky code of recharging any EV, you have to get to the bottom of what the F is a kilowatt hour. Now, you've seen kilowatt hours, right? Because it's on every electricity bill that you have ever paid. And you've seen kilowatts because that's how internal combustion engines are rated for maximum power. How many kilowatts, dude? And if it's a number more than 300, it's like... <laughs> There's a big difference, though, in the physics lab beer garden, right? Kilowatt hours are energy, whereas kilowatts are power. The difference between energy and power is an extra component of time. So if you're hazy on that, let me just break it down for you. It takes a particular amount of energy for 80 kilograms of you to shoulder up 20 kilos of concrete mix or sand or gravel or something and run it up 50 friggin' stairs, which is quite the heart starter. I live in this environment. It's awesome. Who needs the gym when you've got gravity? So anyway, it takes a particular amount of energy to do that. And energy is like how much fuel do you need in the tank to do this job, irrespective of how long it takes. That's energy, right? If you can do that in 30 seconds, you are twice as powerful as the dude who can do it in 60 maximum, right? So that's the difference between energy and power is how quickly you do the work, right? So Formally, power is the time rate of change of energy, which is like a fancy physics way of saying energy divided by time. Or if you want to do it instantaneously, you can whip out the calculus and friggin' knock yourself out. But it's really just basic algebra that even an economist could get. And like they all think economics is just like physics, only harder. And if you're an economist, I'd say, dude, it's not. So energy is power times time. 
and kilowatt hours of this bastardized unit that's kind of a throwback to the energy generation industry. But a kilowatt hour is basically one kilowatt for 3,600 seconds. So one kilowatt times three and a half thousand is like three and a half thousand kilojoules or 3.6 megajoules, okay? 3.6 million joules if you want to use SI units. And you can whip out Google if you want to convert it into imperial units as well. That's fine. The, the actual mathematics of energy and power doesn't really change. It's just the units that change. It all means the same thing, right? The main purpose of having a unit like this is to quantify and compare different devices, right? We use time like that. We all know what time is. We all know what mass is. We all know what length is, you know, and we say, if you say that's about 300 millimeters long, everyone goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, they get it, right? Kilowatt hours is like that. It's just that you're not as familiar with it. And frankly, not even car makers can get this right. Like, check this out. This is from Nissan's website in Australia today. According to them, the capacity of their shitbox leaf is 62 kilowatts. Like, they've forgotten the hours because guaranteed, they haven't run it past anyone with any sort of scientific training, right? If a company that trusts itself to get this fledgling sort of technology out of the box and use it to acquire momentum, cannot even get the numbers right, what hope has the average person got? Kilowatt hours, dude, not kilowatts. That's all I'm saying. It's kind of important to get that right. Pesky little details. They do so hate me when I point this out, mainly because I'm right. Okay, so if Graham is driving an EV for the purposes of work, guaranteed it's one of these three, okay? Because all other EVs, way too expensive for corporate handouts, fleet managers are such penny pinches, right? They generally consider EVs because they can play their company's green credentials. They can say, look how environmentally sensitive we are. Okay, so the MG ZS EV, it's got a 44.5 kilowatt hour battery and it'll take you 262 kilometers according to them against some standardized test, the WLTP one, I think generally. So Nissan Leaf, shitbox Leaf, 65,000 bucks, 62 kilowatt hours, kilowatt hours, just saying that so Nissan can make a correction. Go to their website and check it out. If they corrected it, they'd been watching. They hate that. 385 kilometers of maximum range and Hyundai Kona EV also about 65 grand 10 times better than the Leaf in just about every other respect uh, 64 kilowatt hour battery and an official range of 484 kilometers so what we need to do is come up with a standard like we've got for internal combustion yeah and the standard for internal combustion is like liters per hundred kilometers or miles per gallon it's always energy or bastardized energy and distance, isn't it? You know, a liter of gasoline is a packet of energy, right? And I know if you're a pedant, you'll be saying, ah, oh, yes, but the volume varies with the temperature. And I'd say, yeah, but you buy it by the liter. So we're really talking about energy, bastardized energy per distance or distance per bastardized energy in the case of miles per gallon, okay? Wouldn't it be lovely if we could do that with EVs, and I'd suggest it's dead easy because we've got energy capacity of the fuel tank just here, and we've got maximum claimed range just here. So why not just do 
kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. And then it's just like liters per 100 kilometers, except we've changed the unit of energy from bastardized liquid hydrocarbons to electrical energy, bastardized units in 3.6 megajoule chunks. Okay, so if you do that, 44.5 divided by 2.6 hundred kilometers, you get 17. Okay, you do the same thing with these two, you get 62 kilowatt hours divided by 3.85, you get 16. 64 divided by 4.84 is 13. Smaller numbers are better. Less energy per 100 kilometres, in other words, okay? So let's take the worst case scenario and work on the charging with that. So your MGZS EV, 17 kilowatt hours for every 100 kilometres. And Graham is doing a 180 round trip, okay? So that's 1.8 lots of 100 kilometres, 1.8 times 17 kilowatt hours, because 17 for every 100, and he's using 1.8 of them, that's 30.6 kilowatt hours, all right? And let's make an allowance, just for the sake of convenience, right? Let's make it up to 36, because there's gonna be some inefficiency in the charging process, because thermodynamics says you can never break even, okay? It's one of the laws. and. That also makes the mathematics really easy when you're dealing with 240 volts of electricity because both numbers are divisible by 12. And if you're an economist, this will make it easier to get. So your standard wall outlet here in Australia and around the world, this varies, but here it's 240 volts. And the standard plug, okay, 10 amps. And volts times amps equals power, 2.4 kilowatts. So 2,400 watts. 2.4 kilowatts, 2.4 kVA if you like, I don't care. The alternative is you can have a 15 amp plug installed, right? And that gives you basically 50% increase in the number of electrons, but they're at the same potential, 240 volts. So you get 3.6 kilowatts of power maximum out of a 15 amp wall outlet. And from the point of view of charging, it plays out like this. If you've got 36 kilowatt hours that you need to deliver for tomorrow's driving of 180 kilometers and you've got 2.4 kilowatts maximum coming out of the wall then that's 15 hours of recharging which is a substantial chunk of the time that you are not at work right in fact if you're at work for nine hours a day and it's going to take you an hour each way more or less to commute so that's 11 hours you've only got 13 more hours in the day. So you're not gonna make it over time, you know? By day number, I don't know, three or four or five or something, you're gonna be looking at less and less and less available range the later you get in the week, and then you're gonna to have to top it right up at the weekend, and it may not work, all right? At least if you fit a 15 amp plug to do this, you're down to 10 hours, and most people have a car stationary out the front 10 hours a day. Most of that time while they're sucking in a big chunk of Z's for themselves, recharging for work tomorrow. And I guess if you want to do it even faster than that, you can pay a few thousand dollars between probably two and three, depending on the complexity of the installation. You can get your own fast charging wall box. And what they'll do is they'll go to your meter box and they'll run a piece of 32 amp cable 
okay? And it's gonna go straight to the fast charger and the installation cost is gonna vary based on the complexity of getting the cable to where you want the charger because if you've got to jack up 30 square metres of concrete and pull all these tiles out, whatever, to do that, it's gonna be more expensive than just running a cable where mine is up in the ceiling there, right? So that's a ballpark only and your pricing mileage may vary, but that will give you 32 amps at 240 volts for 7.7 .7 kilowatts. And if you do the same mathematics at 36 kilowatt hours divided by 7.7 .7 kilowatts of recharging, you get 4.7 hours. So that's gonna recharge the car every time while you sleep if you've gotta drive 180, 200 Ks, whatever, tomorrow. Easy, dead easy, set and forget, no worries, okay? And then, if you've got three phase power, and you may not have that, and getting it installed is quite expensive, then you've got a maximum of 22 kilowatts of charging capacity, which has the capacity to recharge the car in a third of that time, which is roughly an hour 40, okay? So that's good. Although the car might not be able to charge that fast, and we'll get to that in a second. Graham goes on. I know that several manufacturers do offer fast charger options at a cost, but I would appreciate your thoughts on these and other factors about EV ownership. Let's just talk for a moment about what actually happens when you recharge at a fast charger, okay? Fast chargers are generally DC, and the chargers at home are generally AC. That would be like the standard charger that you get with the car or some upgraded charger on the wall, okay? Because with an average domestic house in Australia, you've got about 100 amps per phase of supply. So 100 amps times 240 volts is like 24 kilowatts. So if you're plugged into a charger that's 50 kilowatts or 350 kilowatts or something like that, that's a very specialised electrical installation and it's delivering DC electricity, which makes it kind of simpler for the battery because you don't have to convert it. And by convert it, I mean this, okay? Now, you've got something like this at home. Anything you've got that is powered by a battery, you've got this. You've got like two boxes and a plug, okay? So let's just lay that out so that we're all on exactly the same engineering page about what's going on here, okay? You plug that into the wall and 240 volts of electricity and a small amount of current goes down the wires into this first box. Okay, this is the charger for my DJI Mavic Pro, the drone, okay? So essentially, this first box turns 240 volts of potential killing you electricity into some lesser voltage, like, I don't know, it's say it on the back somewhere, but who has time, 7.2 volts or, you know, something of that 14.4, something of that nature. Typically, they're in multiples of 3.6 for uh, lithium-ion batteries because the potential the, of a single lithium-ion cell is 3.6 volts, so you get 3.6, 7.2, 14.4, 18 volts is power is uh, popular for something like the Hummel power tool because 18 is five lithium ion cells all joined up to give you 18 volts, okay? And for the yard tool stuff, then 36 volts is often possible because then it's 
10 of those basic cells all joined up to give you 36 volts. All right, so what happens then is you get lower voltage electricity comes out the arse end of box one and you plug the battery or batteries into this unit. So in your electric car, all right, all of this stuff minus the 240 volt cord, all of this stuff is inside the car and it'll convert 240 volts to DC and then jam it into the battery which is permanently connected because you're not removing it anytime soon in a car unlike the way you use a lot of batteries for power tools and drones and cameras and all of that crap that you deal with already on a daily basis. This hardware is hidden inside the metal in the car. So the AC to DC conversion box and the connection to the battery is already inside the car. And essentially all you're doing is you're getting a cord and in the case of a fast charger, that like a big box wall charger that you would get fitted to your home. I've got one just out here that was extremely helpful, slashed recharging time, did all of that stuff. It's basically a permanent connection and then all you do is you plug into the car with this end. Whereas the standard charger that comes with all EVs, usually with a 15 amp plug, you plug it into the wall on a standard outlet, 15 amp outlet, and then you connect it to the car. But it's really just 240 going all the way to the car. And the conversion happens internally. When you hook up to a big fat charger, okay, like a DC charger that recharges at 50 kilowatts or 350 kilowatts and things of that nature, then that's DC all the way through. And the brain inside your EV just goes, ah, I'm sniffing the distinct aroma of direct current. I need not engage black box one for conversion. Okay, it really is that simple. You generate heat when you do the conversion as anybody who has ever picked up one of these when they are operational would know. Okay, they get hot. So this is essentially one of the limitations of the amount of alternating current electricity that you can jam into the car. It has to be converted to DC. You lose energy doing that because of the second law of thermodynamics and the fact that you can never win at the casino of thermodynamics. It's a guaranteed lose every time and that's just one example of that. So you don't want to generate any more heat than you have to and that limits fundamentally the amount of alternating current you can jam in in any particular time. And I would say one other thing about these fast wall chargers because you can get, if you've got a single uh, phase of fast wall charging, you've got 32 amps at 240 volts, that's 7.7 .7 kilowatts and most EVs will accept that, okay? 7.7 .7 kilowatts of recharging AC power. All right. If you've got a three-phase connection to your home, you can have a three-phase charger, which is essentially just three phases of 7.7 .7 kilowatts, which is 22 kilowatts in total. And you might think, yes, that'll slash my recharging by another third, happy days. But in fact, what's going to happen here is many EVs that are on the market now limit themselves to a maximum AC box capacity inside the car of 7.7 .7 kilowatts so that even if you try to jam in 22 kilowatts it's gonna just 
throttle you back and only accept 7.7. So it might be overkill and a waste of money, at least initially, to fit a 22-kilowatt three-phase recharger at home. Although if you are certain that you are going to change to EVs henceforth and that's going to be how you roll, then obviously in future more EVs will come out of the box standard with the ability to accept 22 kilowatts of AC recharging internally and therefore your three-phase box on the wall will have been future-proofed from the get-go. So anyway, I hope this helps. At least I hope it helps you make a decision if you are on the cusp of that because there's so much enthusiasm about EVs and I'm not sure all of that enthusiasm is backed up by logistics practicality, the facts, and all in regional Australia, particularly, you know, you are on the back foot when it comes to the provision of all kinds of logistics support. And that would be everything from healthcare to the proximity of fast recharging for EVs. It's just not as good as it is in the cities. But look on the bright side, dude you're a lot further from Parliament House and therefore it's further, it takes longer for each succession of fuck-ups to get to you.